Welcome to the Next Level Life Podcast. This is your host, Tony Kane. So as you know, it's my job to go out there and find the smartest and most inspiring people there are on the planet. Get inside their heads and figure out what it is that makes them tick and what makes them so successful. So today I have got an absolute treat for you. So I've got Stephanie Rice, the three-time Olympic gold medalist joining us today. So Stephanie's just a ball of energy and I was really keen to find out her story, both before the Olympic Games and how her life significantly changed after winning three gold medals and now what she's doing out of the pool and being really successful in her business life. So strap in today, you're in for a real treat. Before we get stuck in today, I wanted to do a shout out to a great organization called School for Life. They're a charity that are really important to my wife and I. So what Annabelle and the team do at School for Life, they basically build schools in Uganda. So unfortunately, the percentage of kids that get to go to school and finish school in Uganda is quite devastating. So they're on a mission to change that, make sure that many kids in Uganda can go on, get an education and then change the course of their family's life. So um, you can do anything from a little as buy a brick to help them build the next school, or you can do what my wife and I have done and sponsor a child throughout their schooling life. It only costs you $50 a month and that contribution is helping someone go to school you know, and, and change the course of that family's life. So check out schoolforlife.org. So let's get into it. Hey, so Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. No worries. I'm excited. How are you holding up through isolation? Actually pretty good. I think at the start it was a, a bit of a shit show because so much of my work is travel related. So obviously pretty much all of the travel stuff got cancelled um, or significantly postponed. And then all like a big significant part of my other work is media and Obviously, none of that is happening. So it, it kind of took a really big hit right away at the start. And then it's kind of just like finding a groove now. And I feel pretty good with it. Um, I think I'm honestly just so fortunate to still have money and a job, I guess, yep. in that yep. way during this yep. time. Um, and if I didn't, honestly, I have implemented so many strategies over the past two years that I wouldn't have struggled through this time anyway. Um, and I think I've been more grateful for that than anything else. Just like having done the prep work that you do every day to save and budget and everything so that when shit does hit the fan, you're okay. You know what? I love the positive spin because there is two ways you can look at it, right? Like, yeah, there always is. And it's really, it's, it's been really humbling for, for lots of people. And I know I've got listeners out there who, you know, everyone's being put off in some way, shape or form. Yeah. But I love, I love hearing that where it's like, you know what? Yeah, but we've all got like to-do lists that are a thousand, thousand items long. So it's a really good opportunity. So Steph, I was yeah. so excited. I was so excited to get you on today and I need to, I need to take me back. So how does a young girl from Brisbane end up winning three gold medals at the Beijing Olympic Games? <laughs> just summarize it in one sentence. I think, I think first and foremost, like I just loved the water. I loved not necessarily like hard swimming training, but I loved being in the water. I loved um, playing around. Like as a kid, I would create my own games with the creepy crawly and like couldn't touch it. And like mum would have to force me to get out of the pool. So I just loved, I think I had that passion from such an early age. And I remember watching Susie O'Neill compete at the Olympics. I think it was 2000 and just thinking like, oh my God, that is exactly what I want to do. And I think a lot of kids have that kind of childhood dream, but for me, it was not a dream. Like it was 
this is what I want to do. And um, just naturally really progressed through the ranks from a childhood swimmer to a young junior swimmer to senior swimmer onto the international Australian team. And that kind of pathway wasn't necessarily like ultra smooth, but it was also, it kind of just kept growing and kept growing. And I never compared myself to, okay, I want to be at the Olympics when I'm 12. It was like, what's the next step? And I think just having that next little goal helped me kind of keep progressing. So Steph, do you remember like being a young girl, like watching Susie O'Neill win that race and was like, I'm going to be an Olympian. I'm going to win gold. Like, can you vividly yeah, remember? Yeah, I totally, I totally remember it being in my family's living room. I remember watching her and I think I liked her more than some of the other swimmers at the time because she kind of like did this dance after she won her race and she had this personality and it was fun. And she also crossed over into the world of media probably more than some of the other athletes. Um, she was doing sponsorship deals. And I just remember thinking like that would be my ultimate life dream. And, um, and I always like, even today, like when I still meet Susie at events, I still see her as like my childhood idol, not like peers. Um, and I think it's just because she holds such a weight to me in that kind of memory. And I, yeah, I love it. Steph, oh, I think that's so cool. And I think like without fast forwarding too quickly, I, 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 it, it looks quite evident that you're, you're living, you know, a dream life. And I'm so, we're all so proud of you, but you've, so fast forward, right, to, to, to leading into Beijing, right? Did you know going into that, obviously you'd, you'd, you'd done great at the Commonwealth Games a couple of years before. Did you just know that was your time going into that Beijing Olympics? No, I think, um, well, so I think there's two parts to it, right? There was obviously the uh, selection trials for the Olympic team. And for me, that was the moment that started the roller coaster ride because um, Commonwealth Games and World Championships, like I'd won some golds and some bronzes internationally. But in terms of like the standard, I was still significantly behind like the first and second people in the world. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm about to win a gold yeah. medal. It was like, yeah, still like 10 seconds away. So, um, and we had like uh, the way the, the meets worked out, there was a really like significant chunk of not competing, which usually there's only sort of like four or five months. So you kind of train for four or five months and you, you race and maybe you drop a second or two. But right. the way the meets went, it was like a 12 month um, training program and it was, boring because there was nothing to look forward to like there was no competition coming up so we're just slogging it out in the pool for like 12 months and honestly by the time the competition for the Australian selection came around I had no idea like how I was going because there was no meat to use as a benchmark of like okay this is how I'm tracking um so I lined up for my very first meet, my very first race at the Olympic trials and it's the Fauna medley, which is like the hardest event on the program for women, arguably, and like my most hated race. <laughs> but my coach had always pushed me to do it because, um, I don't know, he just always said like the way my endurance system works, it's the one I would be the best at. 
Um, so I hated racing it. It was on the first day of the meet. So I was in my mind, it was like, just get it over and done with. And, um, he had said to me right before I walked over to the marshalling room. So like, this is like 15 minutes before the race, like the final. Um, so like, we don't want to break any world records. Like we just want to go <laughs> in and like make the team like come first or second, but like, we don't want any targets on our back leading into <laughs> the Olympic kind of thing. And I looked at him like, Okay, we had never spoken about breaking a world record, like, at all. Like, I didn't even know what the world record time was because I was, so, I was, like, 10 seconds away from it. So it wasn't, like, this little goal that we were working towards. And I was so pissed off at him <laughs> that he had brought it up at such an intense, like, <laughs> so nervous. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? And um, anyway, go do this race. And it was still today I can remember the feeling because I was so confused. Like I didn't <laughs> know if I was going really fast or if everybody else was going really slow. The crowd was really loud, like louder than I've ever heard before. And I was like, maybe this is because it's on the Olympic trials or maybe <laughs> I'm going fast. Like I just had no idea what was going on. And I remember t touching the wall and turning around to see the scoreboard and it was like world record, and I for uh, like my first reaction, oh fuck, <laughs> like, <laughs> totally not media trained at all. Um, and I ran over to my coach, like I was just so excited because I just had never thought I would ever break a world record. And the first thing he said to me was, "I told you not to break a world record," <laughs> and I was like. Who gives a shit? Like, this is the yeah. best moment of my life. Um, anyway, it was interesting then, like, from that competition where I broke two world records, actually, at the trials, and I was preparing for the biggest meet of my life being the favourite. And as Aussies, we're just not used to ever preparing yeah. as the favourite. We're always yeah. used to preparing as the underdog. So that mindset shift was really scary for me and really hard because just uh, I just didn't like being the one that everybody else was targeting. I liked sort of just being there trying to take them down. Um, and that's honestly what we worked on for the next couple of months was just really training my mindset because obviously physically I was ready. Um, and then, and then I guess like leading into Beijing, I knew I was on track, um, to, to do well from a physical standpoint, but what makes the Olympics so special is that it honestly has not much to do with who's physically the fittest and the strongest and the most ready. It's a, just a big mindset game. And really? that's why you see so many Aussies or, I mean, I'm using Aussies as the example, but you see so many Aussies in particular, like goes so well right before an Olympics and then not, not execute their best performance at an Olympics because there's just so much pressure and so much competition in your mind and it's just a big mental game. So um, I was really, really proud of myself for being able to kind of handle all of that and still execute my best races. So Steph, we go to, we go to Beijing and you won three gold medals all in world record time. So, I mean, like, does your whole life just change on a dime after that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my coach had said to me always, like, my coach, I, I reference him a lot, like, even during, um, during my swimming career, of course, but afterwards, because he was such a mentor for me. Um, but he had said to me leading into the Olympics, like, if you break a world record, uh, if you win a gold medal at an Olympics, your life will forever be changed. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I've won gold medals. Like, oh, 
I want to go medal at Commonwealth Games, like not that much change. Like it's cute <laughs> and it's nice and stuff. But I think, I think as well, having won three <laughs> and being the most successful athlete of that games and carrying the flag at the closing ceremony, like a lot of those kinds of things, it didn't feel real for me at all. It was just like this huge bubble. And you have to remember too, like we didn't have social media at the time. So when you're in the Olympic Village, you don't get newspapers, you don't really have Wi-Fi access, so you don't know what's going on outside of the bubble that you're in, at, in an Olympic Village and an Olympic competition. So it wasn't until we got the Qantas charter flight home to Australia and, like, walked off the plane into the hangar and it was just full of media and, like, <laughs> photos and interviews and then you're going from this interview to that interview and then it was, like, a six-week tour of media and um I was like oh <laughs> I <kinda> get it now. <laughs> like I get I get what this is like and that was really hard well Steph I, I can I remember watching it right and you actually without probably knowing it you had that Susie O'Neill vibe about you where it was you just yeah. like you were having a good time and you were like yeah. you were sort of rolling with it maybe do you think that helped with your mindset where you Definitely. didn't look as tense as it was like it was you know what it'd be great to win a gold but who knows what's going to happen? And I think that's a really good way to approach things. I think I had the ability to look like that, but if you could go into my head, it did not, it was hey, not like that at all. I've got to ask, what's your coach's name? Because I, I think they're like the unsung heroes. I'd love to, I'd love to uh, know his name. Michael Boll. Right. He's, um, he's, yeah, he's been my coach ever since I was 14. I moved to his program. So I trained with him for 10 years. And um, he's arguably the best coach in Australia at the moment. And um, yeah, just, I think, you know, as, a, as an adolescent, that those years are so integral to your character yeah. and, um, you know, your belief systems and your values. So I'm just, I'm so fortunate to have had seven hours a day with Michael for 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, he knows me better than probably my family but also I notice now like I I say things and I view things in a way that he viewed them but at the time I didn't and yeah. I've noticed how it's like really rubbed off and, and Steph talk to me about after swimming so I've been sinking my teeth into all your content and like how you, <laughs> <laughs> and I love it like yeah how have you found the, the business world compared to the pool equally as hard <laughs> um well, I guess there's three, I look at kind of my life thus far in three, three phases. So there was obviously the swimming phase, which everybody knows about. Um, then there was this phase of sort of four years um, after finishing swimming in 20, 2012. Um, so I was 24 through to the age of probably like 27, 28 where I just had no idea what I was going to do. I was so lost. I didn't know what my purpose in life was going to be. What was this next thing going to look like? And it was the hardest, without a doubt, the hardest time emotionally because it was just, I've, I've always been used to being passionate about something and then, and knowing what it is so that you can then like set goals and implement all these tactics and strategies that I know work for me. But if I don't know what the goal is, like how do I plan around it and how do I put all these processes in place? So that was really, really hard. Um, and then the third phase was really like, okay, 
Um, honestly, I still don't know how to sum up what I do. It's kind of like a mixture of a lot of different things, but knowing like, okay, these are the things that I'm passionate about. This is the way I see my life going. And I really enjoy a like stage that I'm in now kind of, I love business. I love entrepreneurship. I love, um, personal development, money, emotions, mindset, spirituality, like anything around any of that is, uh, yeah, I love it so much. And Seth, that's why, that's why I hunted you down to get you on today because I can tell that you like that with all your mentoring, your speaking. I just think, um, so what this whole podcast is about is, you know, helping people to sort of build an amazing life for themselves. Mm. And I love the stuff and I'd love you to share some, some of the stuff that you do because I think a lot of the time people, certainly the experience that I've had working with thousands of people is they focus too much on one small part. So they might be really right. wealthy, but they're unhealthy or they might you know, they might be really healthy, but they don't have any money or things like yeah. that. And I just, um, that really, that whole of life concept. So like, and I love yeah, how you holistic. Went, yeah, yeah. And I love how you went, you, you spoke about that little bit of a gap you had where there was a lot of uncertainty because I feel like half the world is in that space right now where. Oh, absolutely right now. But could you talk us through about how sort of went through that and then it has enabled you to really identify what you want to do and how you come out the other side of yeah. that to get to where you are now? Absolutely. I mean, it's the, actually the area of life that was the hardest to go through, but is the one that I reference the most now because of the lessons that I learned about myself. So it was definitely a period of time where it was completely reflective. It was all about self-reflection and um, internalizing. So going through a lot of like, what are my values? Like outside of all this, like what looks nice on the outside yep. Yep. and what's superficial, it's like, what do I actually value? What are my beliefs about money, um, health, uh, career, relationships? And I remember doing a number of Tony Robbins events and they were so helpful to me. But one of the activities we did was this Wheel of Life, which is kind of like a summary. Um, I'm sure you've done it yeah. through your work. Um, like a pie chart of some, summing up all the aspects that make you a full person. So whether it's relationships, health, finances, spirituality, family, things like that. And you have to rate yourself out of 10 in each of those categories. And um, like, for example, I put like fitness and health as like a two out of 10 at that time, which yes. everybody, if they had <laughs> done it for me, like if other people were doing it for me, they'd be like, oh, 10. Cause you know, Olympic gold yep. medals. Yep. Yep. And I was like comparing myself to the absolute pinnacle of life where I was like, you know, 40 skin fold and super light and super fit. And so at the time I was like nowhere close to that. So yep. therefore I marked myself really negatively and I realized how, how I was being so hard on myself for things that were just not even necessary. And it was not helping me be a happy person in life. Um, and Tony talks about how you need three areas of life to be like really going well, like a seven or eight or above to feel fulfilled and feel like you're on track. And, and so I always come back to that because I think, um, you know, for me now, I try and keep a general routine, but at the end of the day, like I travel so often and every day looks a little bit different. So I can't always, you know, make porridge and do my workout and, you yeah. know, all these things in the <laughs> meditate. Exact order. 
Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right. Like yeah. it's not always going to be there. Um, but I do know that if at least I've like, if I didn't have time for a workout, then I'd probably be like, make sure the food is like a bit more yeah. organized today. Yeah. And so it's kind of like always trying to balance it out. And I'm very intuitive in that way. So I always do reflect, which is often at night, like, oh, I'm just feeling a little unbalanced or this isn't feeling so good. So I'm going to make sure I put more conscious effort into that. And, and anything to do with self-reflection um, and learning about yourself in terms of personal development, which is why I created the Magical Mentoring Program post kind of in that transitional period. The more you learn about yourself, the better you are equipped to kind of go out into the world. And if you don't take the time to really do that internal work, you're pretty much running off other people's belief systems and other people's expectations of you. And that's where you often feel really like strung out. Um, and it almost takes someone like ripping the carpet out from underneath you where you basically fall over into a, like, you know, everything's screwed yeah. up. Yeah. divorcing like health issues kind of situation for you to realize like oh haven't really been following my you know patterns or beliefs or values i need to make this change and Steph, i actually I, I had a i went through your magical mentoring program and i just love how you relate that mindfulness back to life and um what you said there i wanted to touch on that where you have that whether you call it like reflection or audit right. where you're like you know what shit like fuck oh, I haven't looked worked out or I've found myself, I haven't actually had a decent chat to my wife for a while or, you know, I haven't played with my kids for a few days. And I feel like, um, and I love Tony's stuff and I've been overseas and um, I've done all Tony's work. And I know that in Australia, it probably doesn't land as well. You know, like we're a little bit more, no. um, what's the word, skeptical or, or tall poppy over here. But you can't, you can't deny like that millions of people have gone through that and, and it's been a game changer. And, and what I'd love the listeners out there to, to know is that you actually can have it all. Like you, and like, like totally. Steph, one of the things you said that Tony says is we don't want you to be a 10 out of 10 in everything. Cause yeah. that's important. That's impossible. That's not reality. <laughs> <laughs> like I've got two screaming kids out there that um, I love, but you know, like I can't be, I could, I could maybe try to be a billionaire, but not have a happy wife and happy and be able to jump on the trampoline with the kids. So it's, it's those little trade-offs, right? But also it's like, um, and the way I see it too is like, you can't be all those things all at one time. Like, and I think every phase of life goes through, like, this is something I need to focus way more on my relationship right now because it's important or it's new yeah. and it's fun and you want to give that energy to it. And then you go through that little phase and then you're like, oh, I've really been letting my health and fitness slide. <laughs> so like, I need to kind of put more energy into it. And so the way I see it is like, you can't have the awesome relationship and the awesome health and the awesome family and the awesome business all in the one little time frame. but you can definitely have all of those things, just not all at the exact same time. You know what? I love that. And, and that's why you get paid the big bucks, Steph, for those, uh, those <laughs> gold nuggets. But I talk that to cl clients that coach all the time. Clients who have like, let's say like are embarking on a journey, you call it your, you know, Beijing, right? Right. That, that, that year, it needs to be the focus. It's like, so if you're oh. doing a bit like, <laughs> It was a boring year, I yeah. tell you what. But I find, Steph, that, relationships break down because wife or husband, they don't communicate to the spouse. It's like, darling, I need to get this business off the ground because it's going to change our life. But I need you to, I need you to know that 
for a year or two or three that, you know, I'm not going to be the world's world's best husband. I'll do my best, but it's like, I feel like that communication doesn't get, yeah. do you find that yeah. in your mentoring? Communication, communication for me in all aspects, in particular relationships, whether it's an intimate relationship, relationships with family or like my agents or whatever, communication is key for me. Um, and I think that's about, um, you can only have good communication if you have authenticity and you've done the work on yourself to know what you're actually communicating. Otherwise you're being very reactive in your communication. Um, so I think that for me is again, where you've got to come back to the internal, like, and when I do any type of self-reflection or whatever you want to call it, it's like, Oh, wow. Why was I so uptight today? Or why did yeah. that thing really bother me? Or why did that like rejection email really piss me off today? Because like I get them all the time and that yeah. usually doesn't bother me. Oh, it's because I'm feeling more anxious because this is unsettled or whatever. And I'm going to make sure now that I know that about myself, I tell whoever else was sort of involved so that they can have understanding of why I might be feeling this way and then help me in whatever way they can and vice versa. Like, I think that that's, what's really important. It's got to be both ways. Steph, have you, there's a great book called the four agreements. Um, Tom, it's actually Tom Brady's oh, yeah, favorite book. You've read it, right? Yeah. Where it's, the, it's, it's like, you could read it in your lunch break. It's like, um, it's tiny, I, yeah. for the listeners out there, he just talks about four things where it's like, you know, you don't make any assumptions. Um, you got to be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally and just do your best. And I just love that simplicity of like, and mm -hmm. what, you said, what you said there is like, you can't assume that someone else isn't going through a lot of shit when they've, they've put their shit onto you. And I just love how you, if you take that approach, it just, it can change everything. And um, it's if one of the questions I was going to ask you, like if I've got, I'm sure I've got listeners out there, whether, whether, wherever they are in the world who, have been absolutely blindsided by this um, pandemic. So what would you say to them if you could sit I don't them know. Right See, I don't, I don't necessarily believe in being blindsided and that's where I probably lack a little compassion with some people is that I don't believe anyone is blindsided. I think you have chosen to maybe ignore some of the signs or not put processes in place that are going to be stabilizing you regardless of external stuff going on. And so I believe in particular Australians live well above their means. And so therefore they're always putting themselves at risk. Um, and so then if something does go wrong, it's kind of a big blame game. Like I think uh, people often blame external things for making their life hard and I understand like that but I also think you've made choices every day to put yourself in a situation where you haven't necessarily maybe made the best choices for you or your family or your situation and and not to say that that's bad because everybody has to go through lessons where they're like realize finally like oh I shouldn't have done that or if only I had been implementing this. Um, and the reason I can say that is because I've had a number of those big awakenings, as you would yep. call them, where it's like shit hits the fan and you're like, 
oh crap, how am I going to get out of this? And you always do. And then the next time you just won't let that happen again because you implement certain things. And so um, I think for people that are in a real like situation now where they're really struggling, I, I understand completely being frustrated and being stressed and anxious. I would say take the time to like really internalize what could I be doing so that if this, like, I think you've got to get straight out of reactive and straight into your power. And so the more you're kind of like hating on other people, you're not really doing anything to prevent it again. So as soon as you can step into control of that anxiety, okay, what can I do? What can I learn during this time? What can I start implementing so that this wouldn't happen again? Or that if this does happen again, I'm in a much more stable situation. And I think that's what I would encourage people to be doing during this time. No, I love it. And that like Steph, without you knowing it, that's like an Olympic mindset, right? Like you're, that's why you're a gold medalist because, and I think you're, you're spot on and without sounding too critical, I, I agree with what you said, blind, you don't believe in getting blindsided because like if for whatever reason your company, right? Like I own companies, the person that I am so fortunate, I haven't had to lay anyone off, but the best people that work the hardest in the companies, they're not the ones, they're fine now. Do you know exactly. what I mean? So, so if you've been laid off, you've got to, it's sad, and I'm, I am sympathetic, but you've got no, to. No, I am too. I'm not saying like you deserve it at all. It's not about course. like the deserving aspect. It's more like, okay, maybe you weren't offering as much value as you thought you were, or maybe you could be upskilling yourself in some way. 100%. It's, it's almost like, um, Steph, Kate, on your second go round, let's make sure, because yeah. this, will, this will happen again. So it's like, all right, right cool. Of course. I'm going to make sure that I am like in the top. And I talk about this all the time. I don't, I don't mind if you're a cleaner or a bus driver. I think no, focusing for a to-, to be in the top 10% of cleaners or yeah. bus drivers, rather than like, I would love the listeners out there to stop thinking about just a job. I want you to be the best at what you can do. Um, yeah. Well, I think what's, what I think what's interesting too is that I, I believe like echoing in what you say, I try to do everything with excellence. It's like a quality that I pride myself the most in. And so whether it's work related, which obviously comes with like trying to do things to the best of my ability, it's little things too. Like I, I, cause I believe excellence like anything else is the habit. And so it, you don't just turn up to work and be like, oh, I'll just switch on the excellence, like how yeah. great. It's yeah. like have excellence with like the way you wash up the dishes and like do it, like don't stop halfway through, don't leave some marks on it, like do it properly, like do it well and do all the little tasks well and then you start ingraining like I only do things at a really high level um, and then that breeds through to work and relationships and health and things like that. And so I think like I pride myself on trying to be excellent at something and not like excellent for the world to see yep. excellent yep. because it makes me feel the best about myself. And Steph, is that something that you think can be built or is that ingrained? Yeah. No, it's absolutely built. Like if you think that I just rolled out of bed and won some gold medals, <laughs> like it's just not the way it works. Like, and I didn't win anything until I was about 14. So I had like whether it was a Brisbane competition or a Queensland competition, like I didn't win anything really until I was 14. So I had years of like kind of getting a punch in the guts. Like what am I doing right? Like why aren't I winning? Like how do I get better? And that kind of drive just 
makes you improve yourself. And so sport's a really great example of um, habits and belief systems. And that's why often a lot of top athletes get asked to speak to businesses because it's the same thing, but it's such a black and white example of, you know, like elite mentality. And um, it's just, honestly, it's all the little things. Like winning a gold medal is really just the end result that you pick up after doing all the little stuff day in, day out when no one gives a shit and no one's not watching you, no one's cheering you on. It's like the early morning starts, making sure you get to training on time, doing the session with integrity, having focus as well. Like don't just roll up and do the session. Like actually do the session to the best of your ability. And it's doing that on repeat. And my coach would always use the example of like every good training session is like making a $1 deposit in the bank account. And every really shitty session is like taking a $1 deposit out. And the people that do well at an Olympics are the ones that are able to make like the biggest transaction when it counts and so if you've only done like two good sessions a week like you just don't have as much money to withdraw at the end so therefore you're not going to be nearly as prepared and so I always like view things in that way like just it's all about doing the small things right no I love I love it Steph and I remember when I was playing rugby league professionally it was in some ways easier because you couldn't not be you couldn't be late you had to be there you had to turn up so I found yeah so much accountability yeah like moving into the business world Steph it's like I could sleep in or I could go for a surf right now yep. instead of <laughs> doing those 10 proposals. But I, but what, I love going back to what you said there is what I find is those little wins, that, that little picking the rubbish off up off the ground, that little washing the dishes yeah. properly, um, they're just little, they accumulate, right? And I love that little, yeah. you know, there's cents in the bank account. So I love that, Steph. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely cool. I think it's a really easy visual example to kind of understand. I hope my wife's not listening because she's going to be in the middle to do the dishes after this. <laughs> She'll be like, you need to train excellent. Like, I heard you, I heard you there. Um, <laughs> hey, Steph, so talk to me. All right, so I want to ask about, the, you know, today you've had such an amazing career. You talked about the three phases. Have you thought about like, a question I always ask my listeners is if we were having a chat 10 years on from now, what would have to happen in this next decade for you to feel like you've absolutely nailed this next phase of your life, so to speak? I, I, I find 10 years just a bit too far for me um, yep, yep. only because I know so much could change in 10 years, five for sure. Um, so five would make me sort of 36. I definitely see myself with children um, and really I think focusing on a family, um, family success for me, it's honestly one of the things I value most is like, great relationships and I can't wait to be a mum. So I have always tried, I guess, knowing that that's where I would love to be and that's where I would love my focus to be. I have always really kind of focused my energy now on the business because I don't want to be starting a business whilst I'm trying to start a family. I want to have my business be at a point where it's like ticking and turning. I've got people helping me. I can kind of check in, but not have to do that grunt work that's required at the start to get like that kind of plate spinning. So for me, like the focus right now is business so that, you know, in sort of like two to three to four years, I can focus on the family and really give focus to the family versus kind of dipping in and dipping out with business. I love it. I love how you've thought about that. And 
I was so lucky to be able to do the same where I, if there was a gold, the only gold medal I would ever be able to win is the gold medal of hanging out with my kids. You know, and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's um, the best gold medal though. Oh, you know what? I, I feel like that. Like, and um, I was so fortunate that the foresight of me going, yeah, I need to start a business now before the kids come along. And I, I love how you said yeah. that. And um, Steph, thank you so much. I mean, I, I know this has been brilliant and um, this probably feels like um, second nature to you, but so much of the stuff that you said today is going to go so far to help so many listeners out there. So um, I'm excited to I'm excited to see you, um, you know, over the next phase of your life and move into that sort of family phase. And I'm sure um, the business is going to continue to skyrocket. So, um, and what I'll do... And Steph, I will, um, I, I'm going to make sure that I add all your programs in the show notes because guys, you've got to go check them out, whether it's the swim program or the mindfulness program, or if you want to yeah. grab a copy, copy of Steph's book, The Art of Wellness, it's, um, it's a great read and it's had to go. We had a few Wi-Fi dramas towards the end bit there, but um, I know I really enjoyed that. I hope you did too. I hope you figured out just little things, little real subtle things that Steph talked about where you can just tell she's got that Olympic mindset where she just attacks things with so much care and she just tries her hardest at everything. And what I got out of that was that she just works on these little wins and she she audits herself every day and go, what did I do wrong? What did I do, you know, well? And she gives herself uh, praise, but also, you know, she's, she's hard on herself in, in an effective way. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, if you haven't already, feel free to hit the subscribe button. That way, every time I do a new podcast, it'll come straight to your phone. Also, if you're feeling in a good mood, it's a Friday Arvo where I am. Do a little rating. That just helps us skyrocket up the Apple charts and gets more people access to this podcast to hopefully help everyone out there build an amazing life for themselves. So stay safe. Take care. Have an awesome weekend. I hope you can get out there and squeeze a quick beer in. Um, and uh, I'll catch up with you guys next week. See you later.